the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belsharsar. Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Daniel, has your god been able to rescue you from the lions? My god sent his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lions. Let's go continue with the message, Daniel, uh, take a stand, and the title tonight is How Can I Get Closer to God? And I want to start straight in the beginning with an amazing quote from Martin Luther King, uh, and it's an amazing quote, he said, The hottest place in hell is reserved for those who remain neutral in times of great moral conflicts. This is actually very, very strong. And why I'm using this uh, quote right in the beginning, because we're facing a very, very unique uh, situation around the globe. I'll give you two a glimpse of an insight. For example, the government in Scandinavia is just thinking about putting, setting a law that is forbidden as a parent to hog to embrace your children. It's no joke. They're saying it's abuse of sexuality and maybe they don't want to have the hawk from your parents. And you know, you know when you're not getting a hawk, sometimes you're saying, my father never loved me, my father never gave me an affection. Another law came out last week in Bolivia. The government said it's forbidden to preach the word of God. For example, you cannot go to your neighbor and invite your neighbors to church. If you do that, that's crime already. If you drive your neighbor to church, it's crime as well. And this is just not, not far away from here. And the world is crazy in an area. And that's why I believe Martin Luther King, this quote is really, really the right spot at the moment. In John chapter 17, verse 15 and 16, Jesus is saying to all the disciples, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not in the world, but even as I'm not of it. With Father Jesus saying, I'm not taking you out of the world. We are in the midst of those situations. And you know why? We are the salt and the light. If we're not standing up for Jesus, who will stand up for the truth, for morality, for the big thing? That's our job. Let's go into the story of Daniel, chapter number four. Daniel and the three friends, they faced an amazing, tough situations. Culture were against them. They were in Babylonia. And Daniel, the king Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And Daniel, he knew the answer of the dream. Let's go into the amazing story. It's like a story. You can hear the word of God in a unique way. Here's the story. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. I looked and there before me stood a tree. In the middle of the land, its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abandoned, and on it was fruit for all. Under it, 
the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. And there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. Cut down the tree and trim off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots. Then Daniel was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. He answered, the, the tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, that's you, your majesty. And this is the decree the Most High has issued against my lord the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. So this is chapter number four in the book of Daniel. You have to understand, Nebuchadnezzar, they conquered the world. They set up an amazing culture and they believe there is no God. And if there is a God, we will, we will stop God immediately. And before I go into some facts and figures, let's dig into the Bible and just study for a moment that the Babylonian spirit, the Babylonian mentality, it's in the Bible from the beginning to the end, even in the middle. And the Babylonian mentality has not stopped in year 2018. Are you ready? to dig into the Bible for a little bit. It starts already in the beginning when God created the heaven and earth. There were Adam and Eve. God said, put them into the garden Eden. There was an amazing tree. And God said, you can eat from all the tree, but except this tree of life, there is one apple. Don't eat it. 
And here's the thing. You know what the devil is doing? The devil comes and says, if I am God, I am always for you. I am about you. I will give everything what you want. God is always about him. And you see in the slide these two quotes. God is not for you, but the devil is all wants to give you everything. Can you put in the next slide? Yeah? You, know, this, you have to understand. This is the, right in the beginning of the Bible. If I am God, I will be for you. But God is not for you. It's always about him. Then God is saying, multiply, go into the world and conquer this earth. And the people are saying, no, we want to stick in one place. We want to be big. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. Here's the word, ourselves. We have a tower that reaches to the heavens. Why to the heavens? They said, we want to be as big as God. And we don't like if God is kicking out. We want to be big. So that we make a name for ourselves. Here again, it's me, myself, and I. It's for ourselves. It's nothing wrong to be famous. But what's the reason behind that story? We want to be big and famous for ourselves. In the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, Babylon, it's again in the Bible, Revelation chapter 17 verse 5, speaks about the Antichrist. He has actually a label on the forehead. The name written on the forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of the prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. Again, the spirit of Babylon will also be in the end of time. It's like a spirit, a mentality. The best way you can see this in the middle of the Bible in Isaiah. And this is an unreal Bible verse. I'm going to read to you in Isaiah chapter 47, verse 8 to 10. And now please read this with me. This is crazy. Now then, listen, you lovers of pleasure, longing in your security and saying to yourself, I am and there is no one. Besides me, I will never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. You have trusted in your own wickedness and you have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and knowledge misleads you when you say to yourself, I am and there is no one besides me. You see the pattern? It's from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, even in the midst of the Bible. Babylonian is not only a place, it's a mentality, it's a spirit, it's a culture. You say, it's about me, myself, and I. I want to explain this to you in a very, very simple illustration. And I want to ask a person on the stage. And Babylonian wants to elevate always yourself. Babylonian wants to elevate always yourself. Here is the point number one. Self-adoring. Self-adoring means we are a selfie generation. Me, myself, and I. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, me. Insta story. Here is the thing. is nothing wrong about Instagram and stories. But just think for a moment. You are the center of the, of the world. You have brand new fingernails and you post it and it's important for the whole world. And if you're posting more than three times a day, you are addicted. And this does something in your soul. We believe all of a sudden it's me, myself and I. The next step, what Babylonian mentality is doing, for example, they say self-building. You say, um, 
I believe in God, I believe in the Bible, and I love preaching, but I only read certain books, and I listen to certain preachers, they preach about grace. Grace means I am saved anyhow. Then I can live like a pig, because I'm saved anyhow. A lot of people, that just pick the faith and certain Bible verse according it's good for me. You know what I mean? It's very dangerous, actually, because the Bible is a nice God, but also a very commanding God. Self-indulging, that's the next step. And Babylonian strategy is step by step, step by step to the throne. The fight is about the throne. And it's nothing to do if you're a believer or not a believer. It's the same message to everyone. Self-indulging means here are some ideas goes to your brain. For example, you say, my feeling tells me that I am right. A lot of people, they put their trust in feelings. I have to be honest. My feelings are a roller coaster. And not, I'm not even a woman. I mean, if you build your life on feelings, God bless you. You are lost in your feelings. And another one, I feel hurt. And this is why it's your fault. A lot of people say, it's your fault. It's never my fault. Or my feelings are more important than facts. Facts are dry, are boring. But feelings, it's me, myself, and I. I would rather follow my feelings than always do what is right. Sometimes people say, I was obedient according to the word of God. I tried so hard, but it didn't work. Come forget it, I let it go, my feelings, and now I'm simply happy. Now comes the next one. I hear this very often. People say, if as I am, man feels like a woman, then I am a woman and not a man. It's nothing to do with my penis. I don't feel like a penis. I want to be a woman. You can change everything. But here's the thing. We believe this only because a very small amount of people have this issue. Don't make this to a topic for everyone. And we always take this, but my neighbor brought this and this. I always say, this isn't a smart thing. And Babylonian mentality is an agenda. The agenda is who sits on the throne. And all of a sudden, step by step, you're on the throne. Space only for one person. And what you're doing is you set the crown God besides you. This is the agenda of Babylon, of Nebuchadnezzar. There is no one God. It's all about me, myself, and I. I just thought when I started, I prepared the message. Is there a link to you and me? There is one. There is a Barnard study in the USA. They ask Christians. They ask Christians. People, they call themselves Christians. I make my moral choices based on, now please watch. 31% said, I make moral choices based on what feels right and comfortable. If it's comfortable, that's my decision. 18% said, whatever is the best for me, me, myself, and I. 14% said, whatever caused the least conflict with other people. If I don't harm you, it's right, it's okay. And only 16% said, I make moral choices based on what the Bible says, the word of God. I mean, if we are not believing in the Bible anymore, why should I preach out of the Bible? Makes no sense anymore. 
And I believe as long as we are a church, we are based on the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. It's our foundation. And we not can pick out what we like or what we choose. It's the word of God. It will stay forever and ever. Babylonians, that's the next point, wants to lower God. Babylonian wants to lower God. And this is doing this in three steps. Lowering God means Babylonian mentality wants to put God away. For example, say, God doesn't love me. Because if I feel a woman, I'm a woman. If a man, I feel a man, God doesn't love me. I mean, I, I am what I am. The next one, they will say, God, it's not for me. It's not for me because I'm not gifted. I'm not so smart. Some people got blessed more, but I'm not so blessed. The next step is, God wants too much for me. This is too much. The word of God is too much for me. And actually what we're doing is we're laying the crown of God somewhere on the floor. And he is not on the throne anymore. This is the Babylonian mentality. Look, I want to show you in the first chapter, there were Daniel and the three friends that, that had Jewish names, godly names. When they came to Babylon, they gave them Babylonian names. And please I want to go back to that names, and you have to understand, there is an agenda, either or. For example, Hananiah was a Jewish name, means Yahweh has been gracious. What a cool name, Yahweh is gracious. But the Babylonian changed his name into Shadrach, I am fearful of God. This is the opposite, right? And it's day and night not the same. Michelle, who can compare to my God? No one. God is the biggest Jewish name. Praise and worship. Babylonian gave him a name. Meshach, I am despised, uncomfortable, and humiliated. I am nothing anymore. Azariah, Yahweh has helped me. He is my helper. Babylonian changed his name into Abednego. I am a servant of Nebo. You see... Day and night, not the same. There is no neutral. There's no gray area. Either or. And we have to understand right now, Babylonia has actually an agenda. We don't believe that. I'm going a little bit very into details. We have the gender agenda. For example, you can Google on your Google, on your smartphone, iPhone, wherever. You put in like gender agenda. And I did this last week that you see this is no fake. Google, you put in gender agenda. A very simple name, and then comes up different topics. And the, uh, the, the number two, you can click, and then you see the gender agenda. If you've never heard about the gender agenda, there are five. There are five points, and the point number five in the gender agenda is, and you just do this when you're at home. The point number five, the saying religion that means ISAF, Catholic Church, whatever, do not join this agenda. The absurdity must be disclosed. It's not neutral anymore. You have to understand, gender agenda, I don't say everything is wrong, has an agenda. It's not neutral either or if you join or we kill you. And a lot of people in the church, we don't understand that behind our back, there is something rolling and the church, oh, I don't care. It's a Big thing, dear friends. It's not a small thing. This is the Babylonian mentality even we face in our churches. And there comes a moment when we have to stand up and say, I am not agree. You cannot say in our times anymore, I am not agree. Because people say, if you're my friend, you have to be agree. Everything I do, I believe. No, I can be agreed to be disagree. 
I'm agreed to be disagree. But this word you can forget, either or. Babylonian means either God is on the throne or I am on the throne. Spiegel is a German newspaper. It's uh, like the same thing like Blick in Switzerland. They said about the gender mainstreaming, and please watch, gender mainstreaming means actually the re-education of a whole nation. This is, this is not neutral. That's not an idea. This is an agenda. This is the Babylonian agenda. We kill God and we put God by side. And when Nebuchadnezzar, he believed in the chapter number four, I am the biggest. There's no one beside me. God came and cursed Nebuchadnezzar. You can read this in Daniel chapter 4, verse 33, and this is a crazy thing happened. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like ox for seven years. Not smoked grass, he ate grass. That's, that's a small thing. Can you imagine? Seven years. God is saying to every agenda, if you believe you can stop the kingdom of God, you are like a tree. And every nation and every culture, God said, you are like a tree. I will cut you off. And I want to show you this in a very simple way and how you can cut off a tree. God is saying to Nebuchadnezzar, I cut you off. People always think, I will survive. No, you will not survive. This is a prophetic picture. Please watch. God could cut off the tree totally. But he always leaves a stump. And that stump means I give people, even if I curse them, if I blame them, if I judge them, I give even every person, even the last second of your life, always grace. If you want to come back, I'm not cutting you totally. There's always my outstretched hands for you, Nebuchadnezzar. You can come back to me all the time. This is an amazing illustration. And Nebuchadnezzar turned around and received God in the end of his life. This is a prophetic picture for many, many people right now. What can I do? Three points. Are you ready? I have to take a stand in that culture and I say, I will exalt God. I will exalt God even in a culture of Babylon. Psalm 145 verse 1. I will exalt you, my God and the King. I will praise your name forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, forever and ever and ever. Why I saying that we are exalting God. 
Who is the thing when you, in some month, there's a World Soccer Man tournament, and you will see the Swiss fans. Have you ever seen fans? Fans in a stadium, let's be honest, it's weird. They are drunk, having T-shirts, they're painting their, their, their faces, even their bellies and everything. They're going, shouting crazy. And we will say, These, they are real fans, right? Fans, crazy, nuts, you know, right? If the same people, the fans on Saturday night, coming to church and see people lifting up their hands, you know what they're saying? You are a fanatic. Have you ever thought about it? In a stadium, people are fans. In the church, we are fanatics. And I don't say that. I don't believe that. I believe the church has to be the loudest place on planet Earth. We're going crazy for God. We're praising His name. We are super loud. If you say, I said He's too loud. No, we are not too loud. We have to be louder. Because we have to exalt God in heaven. Because He is more than a soccer team. He's more than just a ball. He is our God. And that's why I will exalt Him with everything I have. When Jesus was entering Jerusalem... Not with a car, not with a horse, with a donkey. Have you ever thought, why a donkey? When she, with a donkey. And Jesus was saying, if you are not praising me, if you are not exalting me, then the stones will sing and praise me and you are more than a stone. Let's be a church where we bring down heaven to earth because often people saying to me, oh, I, I, I don't like worship. I said, it's not about you. If you're coming too late, you're not ready. You know what you're doing? People say, God is saying, where two or three people are coming together, the presence of God is here. And if I'm lifting up my hands before five o'clock and people walking in, they're sick, we bring in down the presence of God and healings and signs and miracles takes place. I creating an atmosphere of praise and worship and say, God, bring heaven down. What you have in store in heaven, bring down to these people. This is why you position yourself. I will exalt God, even if I'm not a singer or the worship, but I bring heaven down and signs and miracles will take place. I will exalt. God. Point number two, I will acknowledge God. What is the meaning about acknowledge? In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, who are you so puffed about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why act as you thought is accomplished something on your own? With other words, God is saying everything you have, it's from God. It's not only for you. God has given me some gifts. And of course, if I use the gifts to glorify God, I have also a pleasure. The, the blessing of God, the calling of God, and the anointing of God, and even my passion is a package. I serve God, but I know what God has called me to do. I am super, super happy. But here is an amazing picture about the donkey. Just think about the donkey again. The donkey is actually a servant. Jesus could ride with a horse, a black horse, a white horse, like every king did in the early years. But a donkey is a symbol of simple, not so much energy, sometimes stubborn. But a donkey brings peace. And you use the donkey for a very complex, narrowed weight. He was navigating to a narrow way. And a donkey is the meaning I carry Jesus. Our job with our gifts that God has given us, 
we carry Jesus. We carry the message into our working place, to our families, wherever we are. You understand that? We bring in the gospel. We carry Jesus into the world. If the gender agenda has an agenda, I have an agenda too. My agenda is I bring the word of God in my school, in my neighborhood, wherever I live. My best friend and myself, we were in Austria in a hotel. We said, let's do bar, bar evangelistic work from 10 o'clock to almost 4 o'clock in the, in the morning. You know, when you're sitting in a bar, people coming, drinking a beer and smoking. This is the best area where you can have a conversation about God. We spoke that night with so many people of Jesus Christ. We prayed for one guy. Uh, he was sick and he needed a, children, a child. He was, his wife was not able to have a child. And we explained in a woman's salvation, everything. We were bar evangelistic work. And I, said, I, I bring the word of God wherever I am. I am carry the word of God out in this world. Just have the donkey in your mind. I close with the last point. I will humble myself. Humble myself. James chapter 4 verse 10. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. I believe in the end of the day. I carry the message of Christ. And Jesus said, follow me and carry my cross. Have you ever studied the donkey? Do you know what is on the back of a donkey? Have you ever thought what's on the back of a donkey? Here is a picture. On the back of the donkey, there is a cross. Jesus was, came into the city of Jerusalem with a donkey. But on the donkey's back was a cross already. Humble yourself means I carry the cross and I bring the word of God into the marketplace, to the streets, wherever I live. In closing, it's for me very important. Humble down means, here I am God. If you are kneeling for God, you cannot fall. People, they're kneeling in front of God. You cannot fall. I cannot fall. Kneeling means, God, I exalting you. God, the gift you've given me, I will use for you. And I carry the cross in a season where Babylonian mentality is saying there is no God. We're building cities, a towel for ourselves. But my job is to say, God, you are not on the floor. God, my job is in every generation, every school to say, no, I'm not on the throne. God is on the throne. And let's put back God on the throne. And let's trust that the Bible is the foundation. Nations are coming and going. It's true. But God is forever. Sometimes I wonder when everything fails and fades away, what does remain? Why do we come to this place from near and far? Because at the end of the day, there is nothing else that remains. What would it look like to face the consequences of something so radical? What would it actually look like to follow Jesus?
Friendships may fail, heroes may fail, eventually riches turn worthless. He stirs a thirst for truth, compassion and love. Nothing that this earth could ever quench. What is it that we can truly build our lives and hope on? There is one thing and one thing only when it's all said and done. He alone is our solid rock, our center and our foundation.